This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888-99-CHART, 888-99-CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Welcome to Invest Talk. Above average investing for the average investor. We try to bring you useful information and answer any questions you might have, as long as they're financial. 888-99 Charter is our number, 888-992-4278. Jason, San Diego, how you doing, Jason? Good, good. I recently changed jobs and I rolled my 401k over into a IRA, mm-hmm. and it's got about $14,000 in it, and that's about all the investments that I have. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm wondering what do I do with it? It's not really enough money that I feel like I should invest in individual stocks. Do I buy mm-hmm. a mutual fund? or a couple mutual funds, or what do I do with about $14,000? You buy several mutual funds, not one, not two. Maybe at $14,000, I would probably buy maybe four. Okay. Okay? If you're in a 401k, you may not have very many choices, though. Well, I rolled it over into an IRA now that oh, I changed okay. jobs. Okay, okay. So that's why I'm wondering, what do I do? I only had limited choices before. Right, okay. And now uh, it's wide open. Okay. I would roll it over into either Fidelity Investments, you know, with all the Fidelity Mutual Funds. They have a program, a no-load, no-transaction-fee program over there where you can buy any no-load mutual fund, not just Fidelity, all uh-huh. of them. And so does Schwab. They have what's called a Schwab One program that does the same thing. I'm not pushing one company over another. I don't, you know, I don't have an axe to grind either way. Sure. But they have programs that you can buy a number of mutual funds, no load and no transaction fee. The problem they have, though, is there's usually a holding period, which I don't like. 90 days, you can't sell it within 90 days of your purchase. But you're probably not going to sell it that soon. But, you know, for me, I don't like the restrictions. But for you, it'll probably be fine. Then once you do that, you want to pick some good funds, some very good funds. Where's the custodian now, Jason? Scott Trade now. Okay. Scott Trade is not a bad place to be. You can buy mutual funds in Scott Trade. Even if you buy no-load funds, mm-hmm. they might charge you a trading fee. It's called a transaction fee. Find out what that is, okay? And my guess will be between 20 and $30. Okay. You can do it from Scott Trade. Just find no load, no transaction fee funds. They've got a list of hundreds of funds okay. that are like that that say that they're in their program with no commission or fee or Oh anything. perfect. They don't have a transaction fee? Well they've got a list of funds that don't and it's a pretty respectable list. Then you're gonna pick from that list, Jason. Because I guarantee you there's at least four of them over there that are pretty good quality funds. Look for a good bid cap and maybe small cap growth and value. And also one of your four picks should be a international fund. Okay. Maybe 20% in the international. Because I had debated over whether to have four funds like you just mentioned or just get one total market or S&P 500 or some. I understand that. And one of your funds could be an index fund. That's not a problem. If you're sticking with the market for long-term index funds, are fine. I would suggest, though, that you can probably do a little bit better if you find a good good manager of the mutual funds. So go to Morningstar.com and check out the funds. 
see what their ratings are, see how they're done against their peer group. Are they always in the top tier of their peer group? If they are, that's the fun you want. When you look at the Morningstar and they have four and five star funds, some folks have told me that five star fund is maybe all played out and that you might want to look for a good four star fund. Is that correct or no? I'm right in line with those folks, whoever told you that. I like three and four star funds. The underachievers that are trying to be overachievers as opposed to the overachievers that have already achieved. I have found in my studies that five-star funds generally underperform going forward. Should I be worried about the size of the fund at all or not? Yes. Well, you're asking some good questions. I like not to have more than a couple of billion dollars. I like to have a few hundred million dollars under management. I don't like the big ones. Why? Because they become the whole market and you might as well buy an index fund. Yeah. So stay away from the big guys. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate the call. Very good question. See, now that's a perfect question for everybody else to listen to. It's a really good question. Jamie, San Diego, how you doing? Hi, Steve. Thanks for taking the call. Thanks for calling. Steve, you oftentimes talk about a chart that uh-huh. is a triple top, double top, and yes, so ma'am. on and so forth. Yeah. What period of time do you go look at it? Three years, nine okay. months? Very good question, Jamie. Very good. And these are the kind of questions where I can go in more detail and show you in our conferences that we have uh, because it's a very good question. We first start with, Jamie, a one-year daily chart. In other words, it's a daily chart of the stock price over one-year period. Okay. That's where you look for double and triple tops in the last 12 months. If the stock chart's not really telling you much, you can go back now to three years. Okay. But usually in that one-year period, it tells you a story. All right. Okay, but we generally look at a daily charts. I usually go back to, I go to a, what's called a weekly chart, and that goes back about four years. Okay. So I, I do that just to get a feel for what's really happening. Is this stock continuing to move up? Has it been here two years ago at this price and just can't seem to move from it? That kind of thing is what you're looking at. All right. Okay, Jamie? Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for the call. You can call right now and be part of the program. Let's hear about what your talking point is. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278, and you can get through right now. to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though 888-99 chart 888-99 C H A R T and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Calling from New Jersey. I wanted to ask you about um you know getting into the EV industry. I was looking at some of the alternatives, you know, Neo, Workhorse. I want to know if you had any recommendation, you know, how to get into that industry now at an alternative company that's, you know, obviously at a better value than Tesla. Thank you very much. Well, you know, Volkswagen has dedicated themselves to be 100% electric cars, I don't know, five or 10 years down the road. See, what's happening is there's a big switch going to come in the industry. There'll be more and more electric cars. Uh, Toyota, GM, Ford, they're all coming out with more and more electric cars and high-end cars i know for instance uh porsche is coming out with a super electric car it's going to cost like a million dollars so you can get into that industry even if you buy an auto company that's out there toyota so um i think 
I wouldn't buy a Tesla because it's just too expensive at this. 888-99-CHARTERS, our number, 888-992-4278. Okay, let's go to Max in Fremont. How you doing, Max? I'm doing great. I was wondering if you had a guidelines or some kind of rules that you use to place stops or your stop limits. When yeah, you have I a do. Stock. The hardest thing to learn, Max, in this business is how to sell. And that's what you're talking about, right? Right, exactly. For everybody else, when he talks about stock limits, he's talking about stop losses, when to get out of a stock. Do I put an automatic thing in there and then sell at a certain price? It's very difficult, Max, to say, always do this. When I hear that from somebody, well, always sell when it's at an 8% or 10% pullback. I always say, well, you know, that's not necessarily the right thing. Sometimes it should be quicker and sometimes it should be longer. You know, it depends on the stock. For instance... Max, if a stock is run up really steep on a chart, like at a 45-degree angle or steeper, I put a trend line. I get much tighter in my stop. If the stock is run up very slowly over a year period, just slowly gone up, I give it more room. Yeah. So depends. Also, Max, always put a value on the stock where you think it's worth. And if it gets to that value, put in a very tight stop because it's gone to what you think it was going to go to. Unless you reevaluate it again and then you have it and it's higher still. The thing is, I, I buy a. I've kind of been sold on those ETFs. Yes. I don't know if ETFs really have a target, do they? Or no, they don't because they're right. a basket of stocks. On an ETF, Max, the best kind of thing you can do is go to charts, and just try to learn the charts because remember they represent a certain sector or a country or whatever. And if that sector starts to go down, they'll break the trend line. So like the 200-day trend line going, 200-day moving average. Sure, going sure. Use your trend lines. It's the best you can do on an ETF, in my opinion. Thank you. Appreciate okay. the call. Our Invest Talk mission is to help you make better investing decisions. To do that on your own, thumbs up or thumbs down choices based on good, solid investing principles. But we need your questions to keep us on track. 888-99-CHART or click on Contact Steve or Contact Justin on investtalk.com. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Faisal from New Jersey. I had a question regarding the time horizon to keep the investments. You know, I've heard that many people say when you buy the stock, you can just keep it forever or till retirement. That's the best time period to keep the stock. But others say like, you know, that's not very smart. You can sell it, you know, take profit, bring the register. In your opinion, what's the good time horizon to keep an investment in a portfolio so we can get healthy returns, you know, from investment or either trading both ways? Thank you. Take care. Bye. Well, Warren Buffett, the world's best investor over decades, his time horizon is forever. You have to think when you buy a company, you're, you're buy, when you buy a stock, you're buying the company. So you want to buy a good, solid company. And I like to write down the reasons why, you want to, why I buy this company. And as long as those reasons are in place, I'm going to hold it. There is no time limit. doesn't mean I'm going to hold it forever, but maybe I, I'm holding it for a specific reason. If it does XYZ and achieves that XYZ, then I will sell. Or things change. When I bought the company, I bought it for these reasons, and now those one or two of those reasons no longer exist, I may sell the company. But your time horizon when you buy it should be forever. That's my opinion. 
888-99 chart. We'll go to Will in the Bay Area. Hi, Will. How you doing? Hey. Okay. Uh, I just wanted uh, to get some insight, more insight. I guess I kind of think I know what happens, but with when when the market goes down, yes. What is that mechanism? How does it really work? Yeah. No, I've what, had where this is the money going? Say, for instance, I know where it goes for those who get out. They have it. Uh-huh. Uh, but they also lose a penny or two. And, but say, for instance, someone stays in, what happens to their money? Is that just a discounted thing, or how does that work? Okay. Let's say you own a stock, uh, and that's what we're talking about, right, Will? Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. stock is at $30 a share. Mm-hmm. And the stock goes down in price. It goes down to $20 a share. Where did that $10 go? Is that what your question is? Yeah, and what causes it? It's very simple. Let's say I own a share of stock and you want to buy it. Mm-hmm. I paid $20 a share for this stock and you said, I want to buy it, but I'm only going to give you $19 a share. And mm-hmm. I'm going to say, no, I'm not going to sell it to you for that. I want 20 or 21 You said, mm-hmm. no, you're going to pay me 19 And I then get nervous and get desperate and I sell it to you for $19 a share. Mm-hmm. That $1 disappeared. It vanishes. Mm-hmm. It's gone. Right. It, it doesn't go into anybody's pocket. It's right. just it's gone. That's what I thought. Yeah, it just disappeared. It's gone. So if the whole right. market goes down 20%, mm-hmm. that money just vanishes. Right. And it's based on, that's what I thought, it's based on that dollar per dollar discount, either by leaving or bidding. That's right. It, yeah. The market is just nothing but an auction area. Mm-hmm. This person mm-hmm. says, I'll bid this. This person says, I want that. And mm-hmm. they come to an agreement or they don't. And the stocks mm-hmm. go up and down based on mm-hmm. that. That's simple mm-hmm. as that. So, yeah, and if I had all the money and you just kept saying, well, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. And I, exactly. Well, I, eventually, i got to give you some. <laughs> exactly. So exactly. eventually, you'll say, you know what? Let's say I have that $20 stock. And the stock gives you 10% income in dividends a year. The stock keeps growing its earnings forever. Mm-hmm. That stock has a value, but what that value is is between you and I. Mm-hmm. You right. and I are deciding that. And you yeah. may decide, I'm not going to pay more than $10. Mm-hmm. And if I can't find anybody else and I need to sell it, that stock's mm-hmm. going to go down to $10 to sell it to mm-hmm. you. Right. Now, what if you just refuse to budge? If then, you're older, then that means you have a locked market and nothing gets sold and nothing gets bought. Right, yeah, and your stock will just sit there. Just sit there. That's it. Right, yeah. Okay. We'll and that's kind of what goes on with some stocks. That's exactly like. what does. Yeah. Very small stocks very much often just sit there. Good luck, Bill. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're listening to Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. We want to answer your questions. Our listener line number is always ready for you. 888-99-CHART. Beginning our experience, we're here to answer your questions. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888-99-CHART, 888-99-CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Hey, guys, this is Dave from Salt Lake City. I just had a question regarding an IRA that my mom has. She's looking to uh, get it out of where it currently is. It's in a pretty complex account. It's been managed pretty poorly over the years and just low returns, especially given uh, you know what the market's uh, doing. So she's looking to actually 
transfer it to like a Charles Schwab or something like that and just do more of a self-directed type of approach. Just wondering what the sort of uh, tax implications would be for uh, transferring that from you know, a, more of a complex account, you know, with mutual funds and all sorts of different things into, you know, more of a self-directed account where she can kind of pick different, you know, ETFs or individual companies. I uh, love the program. Hope you guys can have some. Uh, all right. Thanks. Bye. Okay. There is no tax con- uh, no tax consequences of any kind. If you have an IRA and it's in a complex whatever, doesn't matter where it is, and you open up another IRA and you want to roll that over that money from one IRA to another, there's no tax event of any kind. Now, when you sell whatever you're owning over there in that IRA, you may lose money, they may charge your fees, but there's no tax consequences for that. The transfer of whatever money is there, you liquidate it and transfer it over. You could also transfer the assets, unless it's a non-transferable, and it sounds like your mom might be in one of those kind of things. And unfortunately, she's probably talked into it, and that's why she's not making money. But there is no tax consequences. Let's go to talk to Sean in San Jose. How you doing, Sean? My wife and I are business owners of a small business located in the uh, Bay Area here. And we're looking to get her set up with an initial retirement account of some sort. We need to get some advice on taking that route. Uh, you know, if we're able to do it through a local bank or a suggested institution, I'd like to get some feedback from you on that. You probably do a SEP IRA, SEP. Have you heard of that? Yes, I have. And you can also do now what's called an individual 401k, but that's harder, a little bit harder to set up, an individual 401k, you know, or, but I, I would probably suggest a SEP. Is it just you and your wife or is there employees? Correct. It's just myself and my wife and the rest of the folks that work there are contract workers. Okay. So then a SEP would probably be the first step. You could put like fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars 16000 away, you know, and if you want to do more than that, then you're going to have to get a little bit more sophisticated. And it would be my suggestion that if you're going to do a SEP IRA, it's just like open up a regular IRA, you just go to like a Schwab or E-Trade or whatever, you, whatever you're comfortable with and okay. just open it up. Almost anywhere, Fidelity, Vanguard, anywhere you want. And you say, I okay, want to set up a it. SEP IRA. Okay, now you said fifteen to 16000 Is that an annual contribution? Yes. Or is that over the... Okay, got it. Yes. And what could that? What would I typically look to or a minimum that I would have to be able to contribute and what would that frequency be? Uh, there is no minimum, just a maximum. You okay. could put 1000 in this year. That's all because you, you didn't make any money. You could put in zero next year because you didn't make any money. Third year, you made a ton of money. You could put 15000 in that year. Great, great. Huh? And can you tell us on how aggressive? I'm not sure if you can do the calculation. Uh, she's approximately 30 years of age right now. Uh-huh. I mean, how aggressive should we be getting to putting this thing away, you know, with rough calculations? You should be as aggressive as you can in the early years, but usually it's a conundrum because in the early years you're not making a lot of money. You know, but right. really, the more advantage to you is to put as much as you can early on, and therefore it has more years to grow. That's the smartest thing to do, but sometimes it's impossible to do because you don't make a lot of money. You know, but you know you should be as aggressive as you can 
without having a miserable life. How's that? <laughs> you know? Certainly. Fair enough. Fair enough. Going to the default contributions, should we probably just spread it across between low risk, medium risk, and high risk? No. You probably should be in mostly high risk because you're so young. And again, that's a personality thing. If you guys are very, very, very conservative and kind of worry warts, if you're that kind of, yeah. that's your nature. And I'm not saying that as a negative thing. I'm just stating a fact. If you're the type of person that worries, then you probably won't be at, want to be as aggressive. But at age 30 or in your 30s, you really should be aggressive because you got lots and lots of years. Great. Thanks for the insight. I do appreciate it. Thanks for the Have call, Sean. Day. Thank you very much. Drew in North Carolina wants to talk about Master Limited Partnerships. Hey, Justin. You and Steve and the, the whole team are godsons, just so you know. Appreciate um, it. Absolutely. So Master Limited Partnerships, I've got some in my HSA and in my Roth IRA. Okay. That's a good idea, uh, just the way they're taxed. Uh, the answer is no. I, I'm not a tax professional, so you need to check with the CPA. But uh, in tax-deferred accounts, ta- if you get, I believe it's over $1,000 a year in income, you have to file separate tax returns on these limited partnerships. Have you looked into that? Okay. I know that uh, K-1s will be issued, mm-hmm. I think they're called, yep. um, yes. over that $1,000 threshold. Yep, exactly. So that's really the issue there where you're not really getting the tax advantage part, right? Because it's in an IRA or Roth IRA or uh, some sort of workplace uh, account, uh, tax deferred account. So I would avoid it owning these in tax deferred accounts of any kind. Uh, because of that, it just makes your life a lot more difficult. Now, if you want to make sure it's under $1,000, then, you know, that, uh, that may be another argument but to me we just avoid them in tax tax deferred accounts because of that reason uh and yeah i guess that's my take i appreciate your answer no problem Drew. thanks for the call and thank you for the kind words you can call right now and be part of the program let's hear about what your talking point is 888-99-CHART 888-992-4278 and you can get through right now eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life 
that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Hello, Steve and Justin. This is Paul calling from Hawaii. I love the show, but I do have to apologize. I am a Robin Hooder. My question for you guys is why would I not want to buy? further out options, January 2021, even 2022 options, and leverage my money as opposed to buying individual straight stocks. Love the show. Thank you. Because if you're wrong on options, if you're wrong, you lose all the money in the, in the option. It goes to zero. You didn't make anything. Buying a stock, you're buying a company. You're buying a stream of income and earnings. So you don't have to worry about that is going to go to zero, generally speaking. So options is just a much more risky play. I mean, if you're just going to do options, and naked options means you don't own the underlying company. That means you put out the money. If the, if the, you, don't get a, you don't get an in money. It doesn't make money on that particular option because all the options expire every third Friday every month. You lost all the money. That's why. Even though it's, it's just not. It's just not. A, it's not an investment op, uh, opportunity. It's. It's. You're. 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 You're taking more of a gamble on the direction of a price of a stock. That's why. Okay, let's go to Eric in San Mateo. How you doing, Eric? Want to talk about municipal bonds? How's it going? Good, Steve. Thanks for uh, your podcast. It's great. Um, I you're do welcome. have a question. So. Um, we, uh, we had a managed account with, um, Fidelity and we were, we took, uh, 20% out to buy a property, investment property. Uh, it kind of fell through. Okay. Um, we kind of bought it. Oh, we sold the, it was all stock. Um, so we took it out. It was, we sold it at a profit and the investment property fell through. So our advisor recommended, you know, since we sold at a profit and, um, the market is really high right now to invest it into a managed account for municipal bonds where it's tax-free, um, you'll get a 
four to five percent return. Uh, so in case we do have find another property to buy or uh, when the market goes down to reinvest in the market. What are your thoughts, thoughts on that strategy? Okay. Okay. Um, that depends. What tax bracket are you in? Uh, the highest, probably. Okay. Okay. So then a double tax-free benefit is a good one for you because when you buy municipal bonds in a particular state, um, and you're calling from KDOW, so I'm assuming you're in California. So the double tax-free, in other words, you don't have to pay income tax from this, on the money that you earn with state or the federal, could benefit you with a, a, you know, an extra point or two of interest because you don't have to pay taxes on the money that you earn. Uh, the danger in, in that thinking is getting out of those bonds if you're going to use that money to buy real estates down the road. Not that you can't get out. Of course, you could get out. You could sell them. But you don't know what at what price, at what price you can get out. So the value of your municipal bonds, if interest rates keep going down, then you'll be able to get out of it at a higher price and you'll be fine. If interest rates start turning around on us in the next six months, a year, two years, whatever, just know that that bond fund, even though it's a municipal bond fund, will go down in value as yields go up. Okay? So the value could go, could go down. For the time being, you know, they're not, you know, it's, it's an okay trade. Is it an ETF, exchange traded fund, or a mutual fund? No, it'd be a, a managed account. So the managed account, they would uh, buy about 30 okay. municipal bonds and then uh, have different uh, maturity dates so to spread it out. So, okay, so then I don't really have a problem with that. I really don't, other than that the only danger is if interest rates start to rise on you. But that's kind of slim at this point. I don't think rates are going to go up anytime soon. So, I don't, Eric, I think I, I'll give you a thumbs up on that. I'm okay with that. Okay. I appreciate that, Steve. Thanks for your input. No, no problem. Thanks, Eric. Good luck. I hope you find some properties. Managing multiple mutual funds, researching professional services, where to put your savings. If it's about money and if it's important to you, we want to know more about it. We're here for you. 888-99-CHART is how to reach Steve or Justin right now on Invest Talk. Hey, Steve and Justin. My name's Ron. I've called in before. I really appreciate your guys' show. I've got a, a couple of positions in gold. I'm not looking for this anytime soon, just trying to be uh, forward-thinking. What are the signs that you would sell gold? And, again, I'm not looking for this for another year or two, but what would be the signs that, you know, it's time to get, to get out of gold and, and take the profits? Just curious you guys' take. Again, appreciate the show. Have a great day. Bye. Yeah, that's a very good question because there's no – Price limit on gold? How do I know how much, how value it is, what it should be trading per dollar? So how do you know when the run is over? One way is to watch the dollar. When the dollar finally settles out and starts rising, the gold run is probably over. Another sign to watch for. Watch for everybody in the world advertising about you buying, need to buy gold. When everybody, every newscaster, every publication talking about any investment publication, everybody's talking about you need to have gold in your portfolio, it's probably getting close to the end. But we're nowhere near that. I don't see that yet. So those are the con- couple of signs. Dollar flattening out and starting to rise again, and uh, everybody telling you you got to buy gold. That's hard to gauge that because what? Who? 
How do I know everybody's telling me that? It's just hard to gauge it. But that's that would be a couple of the signs. Now let's go to Will in Los Angeles. How you doing, Will? Appreciate the call it. This is my first time calling, and Good. I just heard about the show. Thank you. I'm a young guy, you know, I'm about 27. And, Good. Uh, and basically, I want to ask for someone who is in long run, is most likely not going to be working at a corporation, is going to be doing, you know, either uh, sort of freelance work or someone working for himself, not going to have a corporate 401k. Okay. Uh, what kind of investment vehicle would you recommend for someone who's going to start out with maybe two or three thousand dollars that doesn't have the big enough amount of money to go to the big mutual fund companies and stuff like that what kind of investment vehicle would you best advise for someone who wants to put two to three thousand dollars aside for the next 20 years not touch it and then see that money grow that's pretty easy will you're going to start using an ira and i would suggest a roth ira for you because you're so young now, okay. why do I say that? If you start with a Roth IRA, you could open it up at like any of the big houses. Like I, I wanted you to do it at a discount houses, like Schwab or Fidelity. And as an IRA, even if it's only two or three thousand dollars, they allow you to put less money in it than the minimums. They had different minimums for non-IRA accounts and IRA accounts. Okay. So an IRA, you can put less money in. Most of them allow as low as $500 into a, one particular mutual fund. Why did okay. they do that? Because, well, they think you're going to continue to put money over it over the next 20 years, and they want to keep you. Okay. So all you do is open up an IRA, and I would suggest uh, either a Schwab 1 program, which means, you know what loads are? I'll admit, I'm, I guess I'm somewhat ignorant when That's it comes okay. to investing. So. Will, we all had to start somewhere. Don't ever say, I don't know, I guess I should have started. No, you're still young. This is the time you start, and I'll help you without any cost. I just want to help you. I would suggest go to Schwab and say, I want to open up a Schwab 1 mutual fund IRA account. Okay. And once you do that, if you'll email me, go to investtalk.com and click on the Contact Us button. That's an email that comes directly to me. Okay. I will tell you which funds I think you should buy. Okay. And they will be no – load means commission. There will be no load, no commissions to anybody for anything. I don't believe in paying a commission when you buy a mutual fund. And we'll probably buy two or three. If you have put two or 3000 we probably can get two or three. And, Will, if I can ever tell you anything about the stock market – Always buy it when everybody else is selling it. Okay. Everybody hates the stock market now. This is time to start buying. All right. Thanks, Will. Appreciate right. the call. Thank you. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. If, to any degree, you are unsure about the consistency of your skill set with regard to managing your portfolio, now may be a smart time for you to ask KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for individualized guidance. You can start with a no-obligation phone call to the KPP Financial Office in Irvine, California, or send Steve and Justin a message through investtalk.com. The InvestTalk Radio and Podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with questions, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. My name is Ryan, and I'm 21, and I was hoping you could provide some clarity on earnings season terms. I'm trying to follow the earnings on the companies that I invest in. And when I was looking on their website, they were talking about diluted earnings per share and adjusted earnings per share. I was trying to look up the terms on Investopedia, since you two always suggest that website. And I was kind of confused. 
Um, I also saw convertible securities as well, something to do with diluted earnings per share. And I was hoping you could explain what these three terms are in layman's terms to someone who isn't too advanced on the finance terms. Uh, that would be diluted earnings per share, adjusted earnings per share, and convertible securities. Love your show. Thank you so much. Now, let's start off with the convertible securities. So there are such things as convertible bonds. That's typically what they're talking about when they're saying convertible securities is that uh, when you own a convertible bond, you typically get some interest. It's usually lower than a typical bond. And you are owning a call option. And, and the reason you get a lower interest is because you're owning a call option, basically paying for that call option for the upside of the common stock. So for normal bondholders, if the company is, does really, really well, you're still going to just get your interest payment and principal back. You're not going to participate in the upside and success of the underlying business and the common stock. But if you have a convertible security, that helps you do that and it converts at a certain price, okay? But when that converts, it converts to shares and new shares are issued. It adds to the number of shares outstanding of the company. And so when you're looking at diluted earnings per share, it's including all potential dilution that's out there if those options are triggered and that would create new shares of the company. So that's what diluted earnings per share means. It's saying, okay, what are all of the securities out there and how much of it could be potentially diluting shareholders and thus that's how you get the earnings per share because you divide the total net income of the business divided by the number of shares outstanding and diluted is not just the, only the current shares outstanding but also potential dilution based on what else is out there in the marketplace. Hope that clarifies it. 888-99 charters our number everybody you can reach us we have lines open 888-992-4278 we're going to go to gordon and ask Candido. how you doing gordon well great and i'm really happy that you took my call and that i wish i could have known about you guys a long time ago oh well <laughs> i've just been listening the last uh, about four months so it's, and i'm using it as my education well great I, thank yeah, you yeah and i just got two daughters through college and now i've got to take care of myself the Teamsters Union took our retirement some time ago, so I'm really just starting all over. And one of my questions is, is I only get to listen to you on bits and pieces in between okay. my work, and I'm a sole proprietor on, uh, I do construction, I'm just, uh, I do a lot of handyman stuff. Okay. How much can I put in the Roth IRA first? Are you over 50? 63. So. Oh, gosh, you don't sound that old. That's but, great. The reason why I ask if you're over 50, because you get what's called a, um, a step-up, it's $4,500 at age 50 and over. It's 4000 under. But if you're self-employed, you can also open up like a SEP IRA. Now you're talking twelve, thirteen thousand. 13000 Yeah, because I feel like I need to pack in as much as I can in the time that I have. That's probably a smart thing, yes. And you have right. to start taking it at age 70 and a half. You know that, right? Wow, that's... Seven and a half, you have to start taking it out of the traditional IRA. At seven and a half, excuse me, you don't have to take any of it ever out of the Roth. But at a traditional IRA, you have to start taking it at seven and a half. 
okay, I need to make as much as possible so I can get you to invest the rest. That's right. I'd love to do that for you. <laughs> yeah, we have uh, aggressive and moderately conservative portfolios, depending on which one you want. Yeah, I like you guys. I've listened to you. I'm really, uh, I think you guys are right on. Yeah. Gordon, I appreciate the call. Thank you. Thank you for taking it. I appreciate your program. Thank you, Gordon. I appreciate that, too. Let's go to Ken in Temecula. How are you doing, Ken? Hey, Steve. I'm very interested in technical analysis. I'm relatively a new investor in individual stocks. Uh-huh. And I, I use the MACD and the stochastic indicators. Those are good indicators. I'm evaluating charts. But sometimes the MACD, when it's below the zero line and it looks like it's in a buy trend, mm-hmm. it, and then I look at the stochastic indicator, it might be above 80 mm-hmm. and looking like a sell signal. And I wanted to know if there's a correlation between the two or how would you use In that situation, you wouldn't react to the stock at all because you have total divergence of two indicators, which indicates confusion to you as a trader. That would say, wait a minute, and you're, you're reading them right. You're saying, wait a minute, one's a buy, one's a sell. What am I supposed to do? In those cases, do nothing. Okay. You want to look at other indicators to confirm. Okay. Uh, but what I like to do, uh, use the MACD and accumulation and distribution line and the on-balance volume line, I'm looking at all three. If they're all three lined up, that gives me more comfort. Those four indicators combined together looking good rather than mm-hmm. uh, one looking good and the other maybe not looking good. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And you got to okay. make sure the stock price itself also kind of tracks, okay, well, that's a good buy point, too, on the stock price itself. Ken, the more you look at these charts, the better you'll get at it. Very interesting. Okay, yeah, it is interesting. A little complicated, a little confusing, but interesting. It's like learning a whole language, Ken, a whole different language of some kind. That's what it's doing. Good luck with it, Ken. Hope it works for you. Thanks. Now, if you have a question about a stock or an IRA, college savings plan, well, maybe buying a house, mortgages, reverse mortgages, we're here for you. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Hi, this is Stan from Richmond, Virginia. I have a question. Let's say one has a core position in a portfolio such as ATT symbol T. I believe you have this in some of your portfolios. So I'm in it probably mainly for the dividend and possibly some growth. What kind of a sell discipline, if any, do you have? Perhaps in the past you had GE in your portfolio, and then I assume that you have since jettisoned that from your portfolios. What kind of a sell discipline do you use? Do you set a price, or do you say when the main business changes, or when the CEO changes, or when the earnings turned down or turned down unacceptably, I would appreciate an answer and will be listening on the podcast. Thanks so much for your great show. Goodbye. All great questions. And first off, we haven't owned GE for a very, very long time. So we definitely didn't ride GE down uh, through its, uh, its big drop from, let's see, what did GE drop from? Yeah, $30 a share. Actually, you can go all the way back to yeah, 2000. It was at $57 a share. Now it's trading around six bucks a share. So definitely a big ride down with GE. But going back to AT&T and the sell discipline, the way that we look at it is what is the underlying business? 
And are, is leadership making good decisions with the capital that they are deploying? Now, I think AT&T has made a couple of bad acquisitions in the past, mainly DirecTV, and uh, they're jettisoning that right now. Uh, but overall, we're looking at the performance of the business. Is it performing above or below our expectations? What is the economic backdrop, and how will that affect their business? So uh, 85-ish percent of AT&T's revenue comes from their wireless business. And to us, that's almost like utility. Everyone has a cell phone, and they really uh, aren't going to give that up, even if they lose their job or whatever. Uh, it's a crucial part of your lifetime, li li lifestyle. And so uh, their, their fluctuation in that business is very, very low. So even with the economic backdrop the way it is, Maybe that 15 to 20% of the business that is more economically sensitive will get hit, but we like that steadiness of AT&T and that part of the business. And, and the other side, uh, they'll, they'll manage around and it will do a little bit better, a little bit worse from time to time. Uh, so we look at that. What is the core of their business and is the, is the economic backdrop going to be beneficial, detrimental, or neutral to their overall business? And so... Uh, that's one reason we like AT&T because of the steadiness of the vast majority of their revenue. So really it's about underlying business and the economic backdrop. Let's go to uh, Don in San Diego. Hi, Don. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing good. I appreciate your call. The market in general, <laughs> and I know you've mentioned to callers before, you said it seems like every time you buy, the stock goes down. Yep. <laughs> Doesn't it feel <laughs> now, like that? Do we have a disadvantage as investors on the West Coast as opposed to the people that are closer to the action? They're right there in New York and can see the market moving and, and move quicker than we can? Well, you know, a, a few years ago, I would have said yes, but I don't think so. Not with the advent of electronic trading. Not anymore. You can see as much as they see if you have level two NASDAQ level two trading platform, you get to see every trade as it appears to the same people on the floor in the New York Stock Exchange as the people on the NASDAQ. You can see it just like they do. So, no, I don't think they have the advantage anymore. Okay. I think they did. Is there any way that the large investors, the hedge funds, can move markets? Oh, yes. Without, and without you you just getting caught up, you like you have a great stock. Now, Don, that's a very good question. And the answer is yes. You and I, even me, with some money to manage, I am subject to the big boys, the mutual funds, the pension. If they decide to get out of a stock that is still very good and solid, like a Symantec, then they're going to drive that price down because they sell so much shares at one time because they have so much money. So yes, they'll push you around. As a matter of fact, I'll say this. The... Institutional money is the money that pushes prices up and down. The rest of us are just going along for the ride. Okay. Just make sure you understand that. And when they start to sell, it's going to affect you and you have to make a decision. Are you going to fight this and fight the storm? Just <laughs> hold on through it or are you going to get out before the storm comes? Is there any one uh, a service? To know who's selling and whether their institutions are selling? Uh-huh. No, because they try to hide their selling. That's what I understand. Yeah, they spread it around the different brokerage. They, it's hard for them to hide because they're so big, and you see big blocks of trades happening. You know somebody is doing it, but you don't know who, and you don't know how much. Okay, okay. Well, Don, thank, appreciate the call. thank you very much. Thank you. Before we go, you can see more about today's topic. Go to investtalk.com. You want to contact me directly? Easy. Leave a message in the machine or... 
Go to investtalk.com. I'm Money Manager Steve Peasley, and I want to thank you for listening. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 